Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Joel's going to share with us this morning. This is Joel Lowry, dear friend. Give him a vineyard. Welcome. Here he is. Well, thank you, guys. I want to say, first of all, it was a pleasure. I just broke your microphone. I hope that's okay. But um, it was a great pleasure being here with the volunteers yesterday. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but you guys have some amazing volunteers here that makes everything happen. Give them a hand. Listen, we... We uh, have a lot to cover, and I do want to clarify that I agreed to preach before Tim told me the subject. And um, in fact, if I would have known, I would have probably been busy today. And, and uh, you know, I always say, uh, you know, usually, you know, it's a safe bet preaching about Jesus or that type of thing. And, and, um, and Tim said, hey, Joel, I want you to preach on sin and, and, and kind of like the theology of sin. And uh, Tim, you, you know you probably asked the dumbest guy in the vineyard to talk about theology. But uh, here I am. So th- there you have it. But uh, first of all, I want to introduce myself. Uh, I'm, I'm the lead pastor at Crossroads Vineyard. My wife and I, Christina, planted Crossroads Vineyard uh, six years ago. We actually just celebrated our sixth birthday. And this is our family. Um, and my wife, Christina, my uh, uh, 10-year-old daughter, Hannah, uh, 8-year-old son, Caleb, and our 11-month-old daughter, Zoe Olivia. Now, Zoe is just learning how to walk, so I covet your prayers. We've, we, uh, with two older ones, we kind of forgot uh, all the things that come with baby, and, uh, but she's a, she's a pleasure, and we've loved having her in our house. But listen, today I am talking about the theology of sin. Everybody say with me, sin. sin. See, there's just something about that word, right? In fact, there's a lot of people here, you're like, oh man, I came on the wrong Sunday, right? Uh, and don't worry, we're not like going to be like calling everybody out and like, hey brother, I see that sin in your life. Or, you know, this is what we're all afraid of when we come to church. Like, it's not that Sunday. Um, But here's what I do want you to do is I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you're a sinner. Oh, you did not say that with enough conviction. Do it again. You're a sinner. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, you're a sinner. There you go. Somebody got into it. I heard it over here. Now see, some of y'all are talking to your spouse and you're liking it a little too much. Man, that felt good. Now it's off my chest. Right? Okay. We got that out of the way. Cool? All right. So we're all good? All right. Let's pray. No, just kidding. Here's, oh, you know what? Actually, I need a volunteer. I need a guy that's, you know, kind of strong. You don't need to be a bodybuilder. So, you know, you can kind of hold your own for a minute. Anybody? Can I get a volunteer? Yeah, you're getting pushed up. So you might as well come on up. It starts to get embarrassing if you resist too long. So why don't you come stand over here? All right. What's your name? 
Andrew? All right, Andrew, I have a request for you. And here's what we need. All right. So, Andrew, you're a pretty strong guy. So let's, let's kind of rope. Well, I don't want to choke you. That's a new meaning to a choke chain, huh? Um, all right. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that will hold? Why don't you hold that? Okay. All right. Now, you're a pretty big guy, Andrew. So let me, let me, oh, man. I think I have another one here. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, this one I just want you to hold. Okay. And put on your arms and whatnot. Now, what do you think, Andrew? What, what does that feel like? Feel okay? Yeah. Yeah, feel okay? Okay. Well, stand over there. I don't want you too close to me. I like you and all. We go way back and all. But say, so Andrew, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to stand. You don't have to do anything but stand there and hold that until the end of the sermon, okay? Okay. All right. I, uh, I can't promise I won't be long-winded, but I'll try. So are you good? Yeah. All right, cool. You're not going to quit on me, are you? We'll see. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I, I, I was going to say, I don't want to tick you off. You're kind of a big guy. I don't want Anyways, well, let's begin with this. <laughs> My 20-point sermon. <laughs> let's begin with this. Let's, let's all come with a common understanding. God hates sin. God hates sin. No two ways about it. There is no way that you can read the Bible and see that you can come to any other conclusion except God hates sin. Sin. Everybody say that with me. God hates sin. That was weak. Everybody say it with me. God, God hates, hates sin. sin. There we go. Now you guys sound like you mean it. But we live in a culture today that likes to blur the lines, likes to live where sin may not be sin. Who are you to call sin sin, right? We live in a culture where sin isn't necessarily black or white. It's more like 50 shades of gray, right? And this is what we live in, in our culture. I know that was cheesy, but it works. All right. But we live in a culture where sin, and we don't really like to call sin, sin, because that makes us feel icky. But what I'm convinced, and what we're going to talk through today, is the fact that to truly understand the grace of God, then we need to understand what sin is. And I believe that when we truly understand what sin is and we truly have that foundation, then it makes the grace of God even more beautiful, even, even more amazing. Amen? So what we have to do, though, is we have to take some time and understand why God hates sin. Right, because I, I, I think, I don't think anybody here says God loves sin, God uh, uh, embraces sin, God, God hates sin, but, but why? Well, to understand this, we got to go all the way back to the beginning. Way back before humankind was here on earth, and when it was God and the angels, and there was a coup, an attempted coup, right? In Isaiah 14, 13, and 14, it says that Satan, uh, Isaiah actually tells the story of Satan trying to overthrow God, instead trying to become the ruler. And in verse 13, it says, for you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. 
and what Isaiah and in Ezekiel and Revelation, it tells us that because of that rebellion, God threw Satan out of heaven down to the earth along with a third of all the angels that rebelled with Satan. So that was the original sin of somebody saying, God, I can do it better than you. You don't know best. And then we find the, the, the age-old story that if you've been in church any length of time, even if you haven't been in church, you've heard of Adam and Eve. And the story goes that God had them in the Garden of Eden, said you can eat of anything, partake of anything except for the one tree. Now, how many of you have young kids? Anybody? Or you've had young kids. You know that the fastest way to get them to do something they shouldn't do is to tell them that they shouldn't do it. Right? Is the, and I'm still like that. Reverse psychology works on me really well. You want me to do something, just tell me not to do it. And I'll do it just, right? I could have a, I could have a box of air and I could say, just don't touch this box. Whatever you do, do not touch this box. And how many would be, it would bug the heck out of you. You would want to open it. It's just our nature. So this is Adam and Eve did the same thing. They had the one tree that they could not eat from. God said, don't do it. Satan came in, convinced them. Yes, God really, he's, he's trying to hide stuff from you. You know better. I know better than God. I'll tell you what's really going on. So you disobey him. Again, Adam and Eve said, God, we know better than you do. We know better than you do. And Romans 5, 12 tells us the consequence of this. It says that when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. Ultimately, sin brought death and spread to everyone this is why we can say with confidence and everybody could turn to your neighbor and say, you're a sinner. Thanks, Adam. I could blame Eve, but then all the women would hate me. So thanks, Adam. So what's the big deal about sin? Why does God hate sin? So I came up with four reasons. I'm sure there's more, but there's four solid reasons that are backed up in scripture and we did the little acrostic there with sins and, and not just sin because we all have a lot more than one sin. And, but the first one here is the reason that God hates sin is because it separates us from him. It separates us from him. Isaiah 59.2 says that it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. So the result of Adam and Eve's sin, the result was the fact that they were now separated from God. They were kicked out of the garden. The, the result of Satan's sin was the fact that he was kicked out of heaven. He was separated from God. God hates sin. Why? Because it separates the creation from the creator. How you doing? You doing all right? That chain, that chain uh, just had a readjustment a little bit, equalize it? Okay. All right, so number two, everybody say number two. Number four. <laughs> number, four. <laughs> <laughs> number two, no, really. The second reason why God hates 
sin is because for his creation, it is an indictment of death. An indictment of death. Romans 6.23 says that for the wages of sin is what? Death. Our God is a perfect God. He is a holy God. And he set out rules and uh, guidelines to, to lead us down a path. And a perfect God, sinning against a perfect God, only leads to one just verdict, and that is death. And we'll come back to that in just a minute. But the third one here, we're going to speed up for Mark's sake here. Speaking of Mark, number three is we never hit the mark. We never hit the mark. Now, I'm going to unpack that for just a second. But in, in, verse, in Romans 3, verse 23, he says that we, for everyone has sinned. Who has sinned? Good. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. We are all Sinners. Now, why is this important? Joel, why do you keep saying this? Why, like, why are you t- having us tell each other this and all that stuff? Why? Because listen, when we understand that all of us are sinners, whether we have been following Jesus for 50 years or whether we have been running for G- from Jesus for 50 years, we are all sinners. So we are all on the same plane when it comes to God, when it comes to his grace. Now, here's what we do in church world is when we follow Jesus for a while, we usually start to categorize sins. And we kind of have like the, 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 the somewhat bad, but yeah, it's justifiable sins. We have the, well, I'm still wrestling with it, but I love Jesus sins. And then we have the, OMG, you did not just do that sins, Right? <laughs> We do, don't we? We, cat, we start to categorize sins, and usually the OMG sins are the outward sins. And usually the, well, I still love Jesus, it's okay, are the inward sins that we all wrestle with. But scripture tells us that all of us have sinned. We are all on the same plane. Now, why is this important? That means the person sitting beside you that's wrestling with an outward sin is just as guilty as you who's sitting there wrestling with gluttony, wrestling with being in debt, wrestling with your greed and, and, and your donuts or whatever. Uh, that's a bad example. Y'all serve donuts. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I grew up in a Baptocostal church up in Virginia and you know, like drinking a beer was like, you are like the spawn of Satan if you do that. <laughs> Seriously. But man, would they gossip? Man, would they just destroy people's character because they wore a hat on the stage, right? And the man made religion became, it superseded God's standard of sin. And this is what we do in church world if it's left unchecked. But we are all sinners. None of us are without sin. So we don't look down on people because they seemingly have worse sin. But the root of this passage, when it says that everyone has sinned, the root of that word that Paul uses there means to miss the mark. 
miss the mark. So this is where I mean of never hitting the mark. What he hates about sin is not only because it separates us from him, not just because it sentences us to death, but because it means that we never fulfill the destiny that he called us to live. Do you know, it doesn't matter if you know this or not, that God has a specific purpose for you and he wants to use you to reach more people. He, he wants to love on you. He wants a relationship with you. And what sin does is sin always causes us to miss the mark. So when God says, don't be in debt, what does debt do? Debt becomes a, a slave master that then when somebody comes in and you want to support somebody and you want to give to the poor, then you feel like you can't. You see, it steers you away from what God wants you to do. God lays it on your heart, but because you are in sin and because you are enslaved, you miss the mark. You see that? And then, of course, if you could talk about lifelong stuff. There's many, there's many people called to go on a mission field that can't go because they're so much in debt or because they're, you know, they're, they're so caught up in other sin. But the root of this is to miss the mark. God, God's, uh, God, God wants us to have a thriving marriage, but our sin a lot of times causes us not to. We miss the mark. God intends for us not to have fear, but sin tests that. God intends for us to live free, but sin enslaves us. God intends for us to worship him in spirit and in truth, yet our sin keeps us from hitting that mark. So the last one here, and then Mark, don't worry, it's the last one, but I'm only halfway done when I hit the last one. How are you feeling? Is it, is it starting to get a little heavy? A little bit. Starting to feel a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I, a little bit more, more than a little bit, huh? All right. It's, it's okay to admit these things, you know. We still think you're a good guy. <laughs> and, and you're still strong. You still break me in half. So the fourth one, the fourth one, everybody say number four. Number four. Is shame. Shame. God hates sin because it brings shame and it enslaves his children. When you see your kids, if you have kids and you see your kids make a decision that you know is, they're going to regret that, what does it make you feel like as a parent? Are you like, they're an idiot, they're not my kid anymore? No. You've, you're so filled with compassion, you're so filled with love for your child that you're like, oh, I hate that they were tempted. And you see, and you hate that sin, you hate that temptation that caused them to go down that road, but it doesn't mean that you hate your child. Do you know what I mean? If you hate your child for it, there's going to be prayer later, because that's not the father's heart. In Genesis 3, 7, it tells us when Adam and Eve sin, in verse 7, it says, at that moment, everybody say, at that moment, right, boom, right that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. The consequence of sin left unchecked always leads us to shame. I believe that single-handedly, shame handcuffs the church from its true potential. Now, I'm not just talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about people who have been following Jesus for the longest time still walk bound by shame. So why does God hate sin? It's because it enslaves his children. 
God doesn't hate sin just because he's a holier than thou, like, oh, you are so beneath me now. I can't believe you did that. You know, this uppity up type of God that looking down on us from the tip of his glasses on the tip of his nose, like, no. Instead, he is a God that is full of passion and compassion for us. And it, 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 it pains him to see his children because he knows what the consequences are going to be of that sin. And he hates that, he, he hates that his children are not finding their true destiny and fulfilling their purposes, his purposes of their life because of sin. So why does God hate sin? Why does God hate sin? He hates sin because he loves us. You know, sin always appeals to us as a fun-loving, fulfilling option. You know, Mark, you came up and, oh, yeah, these change. Andrew, I keep calling you Mark. Why do I do that? First service was Mark. Oh, (laughs) don't, (laughs) sorry. I should just call them all Joe Bob, and and we all laugh about it, and I don't make a fool of myself. So, Andrew, or Joe Bob. No, I'm playing (laughs) So Andrew, so at first, you know, hey, it's coming up, it's cool, all right, we'll do this. And, and after a while, it starts to burn, right? Yes. And it starts to, and it starts to, that weight. And you know, that's exactly what sin does. It's exactly, the first, at first, it's like, oh yeah, it's cool. Uh, you know, like who can sin the most, right? And, and it's like this fun little thing, who, who can sin without getting caught? Ah! And all this stuff, and it's so fulfilling at the moment. But then it starts to weigh. And the weight starts to turn into shame. And then the shame turns into bondage. And then the bondage makes God's child a slave. So why does God hate sin? Because he hates slavery. But you know what? God hates sin so much and he loves us so much that he came up with a plan. He came up with a solution. He came up with a way that our death sentence did not have to be served by us. Our slavery did not have to be ours to bear forever. He came up with a solution for freedom, and his name was Jesus. Amen? Come on, that deserved an amen. This is our bread and butter. As followers of Jesus, man, this is where it all comes down to. This is where where the touchdown happens, is where we realize that even though we are sinners, that God came up with a plan because he loves us so much that he sent his son. You thought you were done, didn't you? Almost, I'm telling you, almost. He's like, oh man, here he goes. He's preaching again. But God hated us being separated from him so much. He hated the fact that his children were sentenced to death. He hated that we were never hitting the mark. He hated that that we were living in slavery. He hated it so much that he sent the only solution, and that was his son. In Romans 3.24, it says that yet God, everybody say yet God. Uh, You could preach just on those two words. That's That's a powerful phrase right there. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. How does God see us, people who he calls sinners, but on the other hand, he calls us righteous? How does he do that? Like, what, is he speaking out of both sides of his mouth? Is he just angry one day and not the other? What is this? And our answer is that next sentence. He says, he did this through, who? Christ Jesus. 
when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. God sent Jesus to pay a price so that we didn't have to. Jesus paid the price so that we can live free, without guilt, without shame, and without a death sentence following us everywhere we go. Instead, we have a savior that rescued us. See, if you don't remember anything, remember this this phrase here. To make little of sin means that we make little of our need for a savior. That was good. Let me say that again. To make little of sin means we make little of our need for a savior. The next couple weeks, Tim's going to kind of unpack that. He, he gets to unpack the, the solution, the cross and Jesus coming. But I can't talk about sin without talking about a little bit of the solution. Do you know what I mean? Because sin by itself always brings condemnation. Talking about sin with the solution of the cross brings freedom. And I want to end by reading this. And I read the first part earlier, Romans 6, 23, and then we'll almost close. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, throughout Romans, Romans continuously goes through what sinners we are, the things we've done to God through our sin, on and on and on. But it always has a but God, yet God. And this is how we live our life. Knowing on one hand that we are all sinners, that there, there is no one here that is perfect or will ever achieve perfection. The Pharisees tried perfection and it just led to legalism. But Jesus comes in and says, no, there's grace. Grace trumps legalism any day. So did God take serious, uh, did God take sin seriously? Heck yeah. Does God take sin seriously today? You better believe it. Don't make any mistakes. You know, when we start talking about grace, a lot of times we can start, you know, we fall in one ditch or the other. We go, wow, we can do anything we want. Woo! Hallelujah! Glory, God! And, you know, and we just go and do whatever we want. And, but it's not. But then we can fall in the other camp as well, in the other ditch, and go, well, if we talk about grace, then it, people will see it as approval just to sin, and God's forgiveness is there. And I think we've got to find a middle ground somewhere in there. Do you know what I mean? That freedom is there, but we still have holy obligations to God. You know what I mean? Does that sound right? Yeah? Good. So God took sin so seriously that he sent his son to defeat it. See, when we savor God's goodness, when we're in God's presence and we really see God's goodness in our life, it actually takes away the taste for sin, the desire for sin. Because sin cannot hold a candle to God's goodness. So I want to end, for real this time, I want to end with a verse on looking at how the early church viewed all of this. Because the early church, remember, the early church lived without Jesus, and then they, they experienced Jesus, and then they lived 
after Jesus. So they saw the whole gamut. And this is how they refer to, uh, we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 11. And, and the Jewish leaders were all meeting together. And they, were, they, they had heard that the Gentiles had received the Holy Spirit. Salvation was extended to the Gentiles. And this was blowing their mind because, wait, hold on a minute. Those are unclean people. Those are dirty people. Are you kidding me? Like God's holy. And that's why he only does, he's only come to his people. And then all of a sudden, like God blows their mind by extending it to people that they thought were not qualified. And you see what happens here in Acts eleven eighteen. When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the, what's that word? Privilege. The privilege the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. The early church viewed repentance as a privilege. You know, when you hear the word repentance, do you think privilege or duty? Or, oh, here we go. This is not going to be pretty. (laughs) But see, the early church, when they experienced it, remember, they understood what it was like before Jesus. They understood that that they couldn't receive repentance salvation. They couldn't repent of their sins. That was not available to them. And now all of us is available. And oh, what a privilege. Oh, this is mind blowing. This is life changing. What a privilege. So we extend that privilege to others. We don't shame people into it. Shame's a tool of the enemy, not a tool of God's people. Freedom is the tool of God's people. So here's what happens. You know, we're wrestling with our sin and, you know, uh, and this is what happens a lot of times is, is, you know, we're wrestling with it and then we follow Jesus and then what happens? We, we find ourselves in bondage again. We find ourselves in slavery again. Why? Because we still have a sinful nature and we're still perfecting our faith and we're still trying to do this thing. So what happens is we start, we start to do this and, and we start to try to clean it up. We start to try to, well, I just got to do this more and I got to do that more and I got to stop doing that, right? How's that work for you it doesn't work does it it doesn't it, it works for a little bit you you go on adrenaline like yeah i'm not gonna look at porn anymore i'm not gonna spend more than i make anymore i'm not gonna do this and then oh crud what i how did i get back here why because you're doing it yourself you're doing it yourself but instead the freedom comes when jesus comes and says no i take it from you i take it from you andrew I take all this weight off of you and I say you're free. Now, Andrew, how does that feel? Much better. Yeah. <laughs> feel, feel light, doesn't it? My arms feel better, yes. Yeah. So this is what happens. This is what happens. When we follow Jesus, when we commit our life to Jesus, there's that initial feeling of like, oh, I'm a new person. Hallelujah. Right? And we go and we tell everybody and we're like, woo! God will change your life. And, you, and you're annoying all your friends because you're like, you found religion is what they call it and all that stuff. And then, and then what happens is we, we start going, the chains start calling out to us. And you know, a little bit, well, I can do this and still love God, right? I can, oh, and, you know, and, and we start and we start and we start. And then before we know it, we're get co- cozying up to it. And we're going, you know, I still love Jesus. I still love Jesus. I go to church every Sunday. I'm almost tithing. I'm, I'm doing all that I need to do. But, oh, oh, it feels so good. Ah. Wait, 
What is it? And then Sunday comes and we go, ah, we got it. Stop, 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 stop. Well, listen, listen, listen. Listen. <laughs> I encourage you to take God up on the privilege of repentance. I'm not talking about just pray a prayer to Jesus and commit your life to him. I'm talking about a lifestyle of repentance. A lifestyle of just going, God, I, I, I apologize. I'm sorry. You know, I looked at something I shouldn't have. I did the double take. I did, I, I, I did this. I did that. I, I, I really judged that person. God, I confess it. I repent. And, I, and we make that a lifestyle. It doesn't give time for the chains to build up anymore. You see that? Thank you, Andrew. Let's give Andrew a hand. All right, as I close, I got two things, and then we're going we're gonna to finish up here. Is in just a minute, I'm going to extend the invitation to take God up on his privilege that he extended to us. I'm going to extend the invitation to commit your life to Jesus, whether it's for the first time or to recommit your life to him. But there's, there's more here, and that is that whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, in a room this size, there are a bunch of us here that are enslaved by shame. And today, the Lord wants to encounter you and free you from that. And he will. You can walk out of these doors feeling more free than when you walked in. Now, can God just intervene and break all the chains off at once? He can. And I've heard stories of drug addictions just dropping like that. But you know what? What I've seen is that's the exception. 99 out of 100, he takes one chain link off at a time. Takes one off at a time. So, so my goal today is not that you walk away and like, hallelujah, like I'm totally free, but instead you feel more free walking out than you felt coming in because you encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. So why don't we stand? We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.